in our hands. Here we stand. I'm a teacher, I'm black, and I'm a man. Teach, mentor, volunteer. Welcome again. We are on the bar exam. Um, man, today we want to talk about fatherhood. Um, man, I think, just thinking about that, as the potential for us going, for, you know, schools opening back up, um, students going back to school, um, I just think about the impact that may um, have on fathers um, throughout the pandemic. I think one of the things that we noticed is that uh, fathers had, you know, those who had the opportunity to be home uh, were, were home more. They were able to be around their kids more. Um, they were able to um, witness their children's learning styles. Uh, I got so many calls uh, from fathers who were witnessing their kids' learning styles and asking if we had access to tutors. Uh, shout out to Brian Ferguson Bay and Conscious Minds Tutoring. Uh, he was able to hook up with a lot of um, uh, fathers who were looking for tutors for their for their kids and stuff. And so, I think that um, you know one of the things that we experienced was that um, the unprecedented uh, opportunity for parents, including fathers, to be deputized as the 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 primary educators in their in their household. So uh, I think talking about fatherhood right now is definitely definitely a, a good thing. Um I want to run some stats out across for you guys as well, man, because I know that you know we think about fatherhood, especially black fathers you know, we tend to think about the absentee father or the father who maybe is not around and things like that. But uh, I'm going to read, I want to read this. Um, this is from a 2013, uh, this is from a 2013 study about uh, the involvement of fathers in the United States. So it says fatherlessness is not defined by living arrangements. Um, Josh uh, Lev's article, No, Most Black Kids Are Not Fatherless, deconstructs the 70% of Black children are fatherless myth. Data from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention report um, and verify that the majority of Black fathers actually live with their children, 2.5 million versus 1.7 million who don't. Furthermore, whether living in the same home or not, black fathers are the most involved of all primary recorded race and ethnic groups. Now, let me let me show you what this means by involvement. Uh, here's another study that, talk, that talks about how um, African-American fathers are involved. Um, uh, hold on. It says that among fathers who live with their children, black fathers, 70 percent are most likely to have babe dressed, diapered, or help their children use the toilet every day. Mm -hmm. All right. So with that being said, let's open up for the bar exam dealing with fatherhood. Agnes, man. Agnes, man. The first lyrics of Agnes, Jay-Z. Letter to my dad that I never wrote. 
Speeches I prepared that I never spoke. He said letter to his dad that he never wrote. Same words that he never spoke. Um, I had a really uh, a really heart-wrenching interview with Calvin, Calvin T. Man. We were just talking about, you know, how, you know, young divorced men have the highest suicide rates. And he helps particularly with uh, young black men. And he was talking about just pretty much like why I never, you know, why, why my dad was in my life. Because he, he asked me and he was like, have you ever asked him why? And I said, no, I never asked him why. And he was like, why? And I was like, because I, you know, scared, you know, I was scared to, you know. And so whenever my dad calls me, I've seen my dad probably six times my entire life, seven times, eight times my entire life. Whenever my dad calls me, he's always just like, hey, what's up? You know, but it's just like, you know, he's just like, all right, see you later, you know. And then it's just still a void there. And I started crying in the interview because he was like, you know, next time you talk to him, ask him. Why wasn't it? Why, why were you important enough for, for, for you to be in his life? You know, and I think there's so many black men who grow up without their dads. They have that missing void and they search for that boy through different mediums. And that medium could be detrimental or it could be positive, but it's still a quest, you know. Um, and I've always tried to attach myself to men, other men, so I could look up to them because I never had that person. And I probably had like 26 male figures in my life that got to me where I'm at right now. Um, and that, that's interesting that you, you said you had 26 male figures in your life. Um, so, I mean, I, I would like to hear you talk about that, man. Like you said, your father wasn't around, but uh, you said you might've spoken to him, you know, um, how many times you said out of seven, eight, All right, seven, eight times. But, it's interesting that you had this sounds like just a team, an army of, of men that kind of stood in the gap, man. You know, tell tell us more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So my brother was incarcerated um at a very early age. You know, he dropped out of high school when he was in ninth grade. Um, and you know, my my mother had me, pretty much everybody was like, you know, he can't go down that route, you know. Um, and so I had my uncle Thoro. My uncle Thoro was a military uh you know, uh, he was in the military and he was tough on me. And my mom told him, I need you to be tough on Calvin. And whenever you would come down from Florida to come to New Orleans, he never told me he loved me. He never told me good job. He never told me, you know, I'm proud of you. He always just was like, OK, that's cool. What you going to do next? So I was always trying to, like, make him proud. Um, fast forward, my coach, you know, when I after Hurricane Katrina, I got displaced and I was in Virginia and I was trying to find connection in this new space, a New Orleans dude in Virginia. And, you know, I, I sucked at basketball, but this coach, he was just there. He was like, who's this kid from New Orleans? And I will always come to practice, always come to practice. Oh, he's trash. He's trash. Next year, I got better. Always come to practice. Next year, I got better. Okay, now I'm on a JV team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, with my coach Tony and Coach Kevin, what they did for me is they provided me with discipline. They provided me with consistency. You know, I sucked at basketball, but they always had – the tryouts, they always had the open gyms, they always had the weight room. And so I always went to everything. I went to every single thing. And they saw my consistency, they saw my hard work, they saw my effort. And so they invested in me. Um, and they 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 taught me how to be a man. We was on a winning basketball team. We won, you know. And so, you know, they 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 so my so my uncle, he taught me how to, you know, to be ambitious. And my coach, you know, they taught me how to be disciplined. And I had to use all those skills into one. 
with my mother's spirit, you know, to get me in college, to get me in grad school, you know? And so, but, but all the other men, it would be like a professor that's a black man, you know, it would be, uh, someone who I know that looks like me, who has a degree or somewhere where I want to go. And I'm asking them questions. How did you get here? You know? And so it was, it was, it was it's, it's a lot of humility, man. Mm. A lot of humility. A lot think of about, humility. I think about that a lot. I think about my own um, relationship with my son and what it reflects about my relationship with my own father. Um, my father was uh, abandoned when he was younger. Um, and it was just him and mom and one of his dying wishes or my, my, my grandfather's dying, my grandmother's dying wishes was that my father and his father would have a relationship and they tried. I saw them try, but I, I saw very early on the difficulty that both of them had in terms of being vulnerable with each other. Yeah. The difficulty that both of them had in terms of establishing a connection. Um, and that wasn't who I wanted to be. And sometimes I think with my son now, um, my son is very compassionate. My son is very emotionally intelligent. My son works very hard to try to be a pleaser. Um, and I think about, you know, is that something that I've bred in him as a result of what I didn't see growing up? Um, and so the whole being hard, um, yeah. you know, my my father was, you know, my father was hard on us. And I think about, you know, with my positioning in this house as a husband and as a father, what is my role? Is my role to be hard and be distant mm -hmm. and to be, to have walls up that create limits or is it to be something different? And one of the things, one of the greatest things that I heard, I ever heard Quan say, was how important it is to be a complete man um, and how to be, it, it's okay to be a complete person. You have to be what you need to be in any given situation. And so, you know, when my son struggled with his schoolwork, I'm on his tail. When he's not doing what he's supposed to do, I'm on his tail, but I'm very loving with my son. I try to listen with my son. I try to talk to him. Um, so you really struck me in the heart when you talked about, your experience with your own father. And it just made me think about myself. Like, what will he say about me? Mm. So I appreciate you being that transparent, Cal. Yeah. yeah. And actually, uh, Rob, man, that comes from Jason Wilson. Yeah. Being a complete man. That's, that's um, what I learned from him. And, um, you know, his book, um, Cry Like a Man. He was talking about, you know, just being whatever you need to be at any given time. Um, and I remember a few years ago, um, I was listening to uh, Royce the Five Nine, and and this what really made me start appreciating Royce because he brought up something that I think I was dealing with. You know, oftentimes as men, uh, we our worth is tied up in our work, right? You know, being able to to provide. Like, yo, this is what I'm able to do, you know, and if you take that work away from us, we, we kind of like, OK, how? what am I supposed to do now? You know, and I remember being like very depressed like when I first started teaching 
at the age of 22, I remember, um, you know, they used to lay us off like every year. They just give us layoff notices. And sometimes those layoff notices would come like right before the end of the school year. And they wouldn't be rescinded until <laughs> like right before school year started. Yep. Yeah. And then and I remember, you know, so, I mean, you got a whole summer to sit in anxiety and think about like, oh, man, what, what's going to happen? What if this don't, you know? And I remember um, one time it didn't get rescinded until like maybe the second month of school. And I just remember sitting at home like, man, what am I supposed to do? You know, like, what, you know, I was so caught up in my work. And even after all that stopped, like I would put a lot of I come from a lineage of workaholics, man. And so where you just put a lot of time, a lot of time into your work and stuff. And I remember like I was the teacher who would um, I would be at school all day, like and, and night and just trying to, you know, trying to really do everything myself. And that's another story, like not sharing the responsibility and not trusting people to like, I just, I felt personally responsible for my students in my school. And I was like, listen, if I don't do it, it ain't going to get done. And, I, and that's the way I treated things. And it wasn't until I started kind of trusting people and sharing like, Hey, and, and, and asking people, being humble enough to ask people. But, um, but what, what struck me, man, I remember this is, this is maybe in 2012, maybe maybe 2013, but my son, man, I, because I knew I would be at work all day, I would, um, I would get up super early to go to the gym and, you know, go and work out. So it'd be like three o'clock in the morning. And so I remember one day I woke up and my, my oldest son, he got up too. And we were talking. I was like, well, all right, son, I, you know, I'm about to leave out to go to the gym. He said, okay, dad, I'll see you tomorrow. And I was like, it's three o'clock in the morning. He's talking about he's gonna see me tomorrow. And I'm thinking, and I was thinking, you know, he wasn't he wasn't trying to be like funny or nothing like that. He was that was his observation that when dad leaves, he's gonna be gone all day. And by the time he comes back, I'm gonna be asleep. And so I won't go see him again until tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and so and I thought and that and that and that hurt me a little bit because I was like, dang, what am I doing? You know, I'm spending all this time at this school and all this time working on behalf of students, which is cool, but it's like you know, I uh, am I abandoning, you know, you know how they say about preachers kids and, and teachers kids, all right? They they end up becoming the worst ones because, you know, the parents, the the the, the preacher or the teacher spends more time um building up others than or building up other people's house than their own house. And so, right. man, so this song when I, I listen to Royster Five Nine, it's off it's off his album called Layers. Uh, I think that came out in 2016. And and the song, the song is called Wait. Conference calls from record labels, guess I'm late. But my other son's autistic, he wants my attention. This just might be my defining moment. Let them wait. And it was a line in here. He's, you know, he's talking about all this stuff he has to do. And he says, uh, conference calls from record labels. I guess I'm late. But my other son is autistic. He wants my attention. This might just be my defining moment. Let them wait. Right. And, you know, that that made me really respect Royce, because, first of all, talking to having a kid with a, a special needs, you know, that's that's one thing, you know. But knowing like, you know, dealing with with um, uh, students with exceptionalities that, you know, with autism, they, you know, they, they're used to routine, you know what I'm saying? And so they need that. You know, if you, if you give them that time, they're going to expect 
those things that you do together. They don't expect that on a on a daily basis, you know. Um, and so when he says this might be my defining moment, I took it two ways. He says, look, I got these record labels that's trying to get at me. You know, you know about Royce's story about record labels and stuff, you know. And so he's like, yo, this may, you know, be my big break or this may be time for me to, you know, to, to get this record done. But, you know, my son is more important. Let That stuff can wait. You know, this is what I do for a living. This is what, you know, my calling is. I've been doing this since I was a kid until now. But I'm willing to put that on the side to be there for my for my son. And then I took it another way, too, when he said um, this may be my defining moment. I think he's saying this may be my defining moment with my with my son, too. Like not only my defining moment with my career, but my defining moment with my son. Is this what my son is going to remember that I didn't take this time for him and I and I gave up him for my career? You know, and so, you know, when he said that, I was like, man, that 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 hit me. And I think. And when I listen to more of him like that, the the coke, uh, the book of Ryan, there's a song on there called Cocaine. Yep. Pop, I love you unconditional, and thanks for loving me more than cocaine. My father tells me over cocaine. And wow, I'm like, man, look at this. This is an addiction, you know, um, a heart addiction that people, some people can't kick. And Royce is shouting out his father, like, you know, my father gave up something that most people can't give up. He gave it up for me. And I think that probably powered um, Royce to say the same thing. And that's in that song on layers that let him wait song by saying, look, I'm willing to give up my career. You know, I'm willing to put that on hold for a moment for my son, because I think he was able to do that because, you know, listening to the book of Ryan. His father did it for him. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, in this moment in the pandemic, you know, um, I've learned, you know, my limitations just as like a man, um, what I can do, what I can't do. Um, and, you know, what I've learned that I, what I can do is, is is be here for my kid. I think I think it was Rod who who dubbed uh, pandemic papa. Yeah. Um, so I don't know fatherhood outside of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's really just rooted me to where I'm not sure if I can spend uh, extended periods of time away from my son because I'm so used to all, either always being home or him always being, you know, with me and my wife. So, um, you know. I'm 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 just thinking about you know how you are framing this conversation around like you know we can't do everything right but what I know I what I can do is you know be there for my 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 son and be patient with him I think as I think about you know my own upbringing and like my dad um he my dad my dad grew up uh, on the north side of Flint and uh, I think he was somebody who wanted to always achieve and overachieve. Um, and so his, his, his fatherhood journey looked, looked different. And, and so my dad would be, you know, away from home for days, weeks at a time. And I'd be like, mom, where dad, you know, dad is traveling, you know, dad is out. And, uh, she did a good job at just kind of 
letting me know where he was. Um, and my dad, you know, did his best to to communicate where he was physically and trying to travel and all those things. But like you said, like he was trying to commit to his business and his work. So my memories of my father is like him always on the phone, you know, him always on his computer. Um, and and then I see my son, you know, in this pandemic and I'm always on the phone. Yeah. I'm always on my computer, you know, and I'm like, wow, like the mirror, the mirror effect of uh, seeing me and seeing, seeing my father in me is, is just really, really deep. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to be able to like manage that and like, you know, just look that, look that in the, in the eye and say, wow, like there, I see, I see, I see what my dad was going through. I see, I see exactly what he was going through with trying to uh, provide and, 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 and do, do the things, do all the things. Right. Right. One thing that uh, Jay-Z said about his dad um, for Wallace goes, um, he said that uh, he was scared when he became a father because his dad tried with his mom and they got divorced. So it's not like they, you know, they didn't try. It's like they tried and it didn't work out, um, you know, and that that really messed him up a lot. Yeah. And, and when I um, when I think about when I analyze like just the generations, you know, um, you can say that the generation that that uh, the baby boomer generation, you know, that's where a lot of those stats came from. Where it's like, you know, this is where you start seeing um, black families start to d- devolve. I mean, um, dissolve um, men being out of the house for various circumstances. You know, but we we know about the um, um, some of the um, what, what was it called where you couldn't have a a man in the house to uh, get benefits, mm-hmm. yeah, so, you know, so things like that, and various other circumstances and stuff too. And so, it's funny because the the children of the boomers are the are the hip hop is the hip hop generation. You know what I'm saying? And just seeing how, um, like the hip hop generation, how they're dealing with fatherhood and marriage and stuff like that. So you mentioned Jay Z. I mean, that whole 444 and, and, you know, basically was about him possibly losing his his family and not wanting to lose it. You know what I'm saying? I think that that comes from like, I got to believe that what happened to him and his and what he witnessed with his father. Like he like, yo, you know, I see myself going down and I don't want that, you know, and I think that, um, you know, just hearing Brent talk about. You know what he saw with his pops, and he's like, you know what? I see myself doing it. I don't let me pull back a little bit because I know how that made me feel. You know, and so um, yeah. So I think it's it's very interesting just to analyze as as hip hop gets older, how they're dealing with things like kids with like with race five nine with, with autism or or mm-hmm. addiction or family or divorce. I think the whole thing like with Offset and Cardi B. You know, uh, seeing that play out where we about to get a divorce, but no, I love them and, you know, we want to stay together and this is what we do to stay. You know, just seeing all that stuff is is, is very interesting. I, and I, mm-hmm. I definitely like to hear the music that comes from that. <laughs> I want to drop a line. It's uh, off Nas's Street Disciple. Caught a glimpse of myself in the Barney shop window. Kind of see my father's features creeping in a little. Right. Yeah. Um, that's like a maturity 
to be like, man, like I'm just I'm 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 like that dude. You know what I mean? Um, as much as I might try to try to like, no, I ain't like you know I ain't yeah, like trying to run from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like stepping into it and being like, oh, okay, I see it. I see it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, it's talking about Jason Wilson again, man. His book, Cry Like a Man, he talks about that, like, you know, losing touch with your father, but you can't, you can't never like lose. You don't never really lose touch because, you know, there's always a reckoning. Like, even if I'm um, like what Calvin was saying, uh, you said Calvin, man, he asked you, have you ever asked your father why we haven't talked? And he said, he told you next time you talk to him to ask him that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, that's part of that um, that healing process where it's like, you know, first of all, to be honest, like, yo, I'm not cool with it. You know, I'm grown now, but it's a part of me that's not cool with cool with that. Like ever since I was a kid until now, like, you know, that's been something that's been uh, been heavy on me. I moved, you know, you say I, I, I moved on, but I still want to know. I still want to, you say, be that complete man where I'm like, I'm able that wound that's there. I want to be able to close that wound up. And sometimes it's closing that wound wound up may be because it may it may mean that you know you had to have those conversations. You know what I'm saying? That you know, um, you may have to uh it may be may need to be some forgiveness. You know, Jason talks about how his, him and his father ended up they had a tumultuous relationship, but they ended up connecting back towards the end of his father's life. You know, and it's unfortunate it had to happen like at the end of his life, but the fact that he was still able to have the connection and it was able to to um to bring forth like some type of healing. And you know, and you know, thinking about Nas, um, you know, just with the healing, I think that Street's disciples came out after his mother's died, right? Yes. Yeah. And so he well, ended up he ended up doing a song with his father, you know, and I think you know that has a lot to do with, you know, him. Bridging, I think it was called bridging the gap, right? That was, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, you know, he was, and his therapy was like, you know, this is my pop, this is my only parent left, you know, and I'm bridging the bridging the gap as far as two musical forms, but also bridging the gap of time that was lost, you know, between them as well, you know. So, you know, I think that's something like, you know, just to see lyrics that talk about that, but it's also a blueprint for for the children of the boomers. Uh, those in the hip hop generation is also like a blueprint. Like, yo, yeah. this is something that you know we definitely have to think about. Those who have broken relationships, or those who, uh, you know, that you 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 may try to run from it, but it's like you still have to come to grips with it, whatever whatever way that looks like. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's that's, that's hard. Go ahead, Mess Wallace. Go ahead. It's it's just proof positive of the power. For me, um, the power of music, too, and, and its ability to help you uh, cope with those emotions. Um, the last project I did, Unfree Black, it starts with me talking at my father's funeral. Mm. And I was talking about how my father wasn't perfect. Mm. My father was interpreted to be different from different people. Um, I didn't, I never acknowledged his perfection. Um, and I know that no matter what I do, I have to step into it as a man first. So music for me, helped me deal with the emotion involved in my father's death. 
um, because I had a lot of unresolved things with my father. Um, and when I, I did a, I did a music project about, I did a project about a year after I put a project out about a year after my father died called at the end of the day. And it was an instrumental project. Mm-hmm. But when I went back and I listened to it, I could hear myself processing in the choices that I made, the sounds that I chose. I could hear myself processing grief. Um, and that's why I'm so adamant about the fact that people are able to create something as they deal with deep emotions. Um, when 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 Brent quoted Nas talking about his him seeing his father, um, I don't. Like I, I, I don't see my father in the reflection, but I see, I don't, I don't see him physically, but I definitely can see why he made certain decisions that he made and why he followed certain actions, why he found a way to find space for himself to be able to think and to be able to have some solace in the face of trying to go out and chase being a superhuman. And I think a lot of black men suffer. I think a lot of us as black men suffer from feeling the need to be superhuman. We have to be great workers and hold down jobs with benefits, but we also are mandated to hustle, mandated to be entrepreneurs, mandated to not get sick, (laughs) not get sick, mandated to take care of our bodies, mandated to be good to other young men in lieu of what we've been told about fathers. But what in, in terms of what Quan is saying, it may not the, the circumstance may be different than we think it is. And and that kind of brings me um to my my quote for the night. Um, you know, in the evolution of an artist, we always I think that we grow with artists and we grew up with Nas. You know, yeah, yeah. Nas was very raw, but Nas had tutelage. And Nas was served to us on a plate that was very um, that was in line with the rules of hip hop and dynamic lyricism. Most of his 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 career had great production. And then he grew to a point where he felt like he understood his role. So he made the album Hip Hop is Dead. And then he made the album, you know, it was called the N word for better, you know. But he couldn't call it that because of label politics. And it was very political and it had political messaging on it. And then Nas went away for a while. He had the issues that he had, you know, in his marriage and this, that, and third. And he came back with Life is Good. Mm-hmm. And yep. the first single that he chose for Life is Good was the song Daughters. Daughters. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. Not saying that our sons are less important. And I ain't trying to mess your thing up But I just want to see you dream up I finally understand It ain't easy to raise a girl as a single man Nah, the way mothers feel for their sons How fathers feel for their daughters When he date, he's straight Chip off his own papa When she date, we wait behind the door with a sword off Cause we think no one is good enough for our daughters Love yeah. And yeah. for me That song was a paradigm shift that was representative of something that we were seeing all over that rap as we knew it was growing up. I was listening to not to jump off key too much, but I was listening to the interview of Conway from Griselda today. Conway is still a relatively new artist, 
that a lot of people don't know about, but Conway is 39 years old. Yeah. So these aren't just grown men that's rapping and doing this, that, and the third. These are men who are approaching middle age. Yeah. So he talked about raising a daughter. We talk a lot about our sons. Yeah. Not not even paying, not even giving credence to the fact that our daughters yeah. Yeah. are in a state of emergency. Yeah. He talked about I saw my daughter send a letter to some boy her age who locked up. First, I regretted it, then caught my rage. Like, how could I not protect her from this awful phase? Never tried to hide who I was. She was taught and raised like a princess. But while I'm on stage, I can't leave her defenseless. Plus, she seen me switching women. Pops was on some pimp ass. She heard stories of her daddy thugging. So if her husband is a gangster, can't be mad. I love him. Never. For her, I won't better. Homie in jail did that. Wait till he come home. You can see where his head's at. Cats got game. They be trying to live. He's seen your mama crib. Plus, I'm sure he know who your father is. And he goes on to talk about raising a daughter being having that concern about the decisions that your daughter is making because the stakes of her bad decisions, we interpret the stakes of your daughter's decision making being bad is even more serious than a young man. That's it. At least that's, that's the, that's the manner in which it could be interpreted. I don't know anybody. Does every, I don't Brent, you have a daughter. No, I'm the only person in here with a daughter. Right. And you know, I I think about that. Like, you know, what is my daughter going to be like? How I have to, I have to be a protector of my daughter above and beyond my son because of the way that society is structured in a way. And I fight with whether or not that's the truth, Mm -hmm. you know? So shout out to Nas, you know, he went on to talk about, you know, the reason that one of the the reasons that this was a big thing was his daughter had put some stuff on social media that was scandalous, Mm -hmm. which most young ladies do. I, I can't say most, excuse me, which yeah. many young ladies do. And it, it remind in, in going back and reading this, I thought about the story that came out about uh, a young lady named Chloe. Mm-hmm. I think it's, her name is Chloe Berry. She's a part yeah. of a of a group that was relatively uh, for it wasn't for kids, but it was relatively innocent. This, that and a third. And yeah. recently she's been really showing off on social media you know, in a way, and she's becoming an adult woman in this, that, and the third, and she got really upset because of the reception that it got. And it just reminded me that I have to make sure that my daughter is always cognizant that, unfortunately, the rules are different for young ladies. They are. Mm-hmm. And she's young, you know, and I just want to make sure that she understands that that she always needs to have pride in who she is and she needs to be on guard against stuff like this. So, yeah. That's me and Nas <laughs> and daughters because that touched my spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for that, Wallace. Um, so, Earl Swesher, I don't know if y'all know Earl Swesher. His dad was an African poet. He was like a very well-known African poet and his mom was a UCLA um, professor. professor. Yeah. Um, and you can say that Earl Swesher definitely got his. He took he took his father's um, pen skills because he's an amazing 
a writer, um, but his dad wasn't in his life. Um, and he writes about it in the song called Chum. It's probably been 12 years since my father left. Left me fatherless. And I just used to say I hate him in dishonest chest. When honestly I miss this like when I was six. And every time I got the chance to say it, I would swallow it. Um, and kind of going back to what I was saying, you know, about kind of confronting my dad. My dad literally lived 10 minutes from my house, man. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah, wow. you know, and my mother never taught me to hate him because my mother had everything in control. You know what I mean? So I never had hate for him, but because I never had that void filled, you know, I was I was kind of like whenever I would ask him, I'll kind of be like, kind of like I'll just swallow it because I just couldn't muster up the. And even when I would try, I'll just kind of like backtrack again and just kind of be like, man, you know, you don't even worry about it, man, because you're not even you're not even thinking on the same, you know. Yeah. And his and his dad eventually died too. Um, Earl Spencer's mm-hmm. dad died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, it hurt him. It hurt him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably the important part of trying to because, you know, he might my dad might pass away, you know, and I never got a chance to. I had that conversation. I don't know what that may feel like if, you know, one day he might go and I never had the opportunity. So, you know, I think not having your dad and having that boy can definitely be detrimental um, sometimes. Uh, you know, God is, you know, God is good. I mean, you know, and I think, I don't think it's a coincidence that you had those 26, 27 men in your life, man, because, I mean, you mentioned, the most high man and a lot of times that's that's what happens man they you know the 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 slack could be picked up you know and then also man you know i know um i know i know you don't have any kids yet um cal but you know your experience with your father is, is going to um form how you how you interact with your children you know yeah. um there was a um, there was a there was an author who uh, his son asked him like, how did, you know you didn't have a father how did you how did you become such a great father and and the, the father answered like I just be, I just became what I wanted wow I always wanted you know and so you know those, those yearnings that you have you know for your father you know um, you know the the Lord may 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 still bless you with you know being able to 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 get those yearnings filled, but you definitely would be able to say you know this is what I always wanted and I'll be able to be a better person to give that to my my kids and you know I don't think it's coincidence that you are a teacher you know what I'm saying? because and you know you're giving you're giving that that fatherhood you know you are you are what twenty eight twenty nine. 28. Yeah, 28, man. And so even at yeah, hey, I said even at your young age, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You are a father to like a lot of kids, man. Yeah. And, and you know, and being able to provide like that those fatherhood traits for them, you know, is definitely, you know, something that that was formed by what you what you wanted as well. So Absolutely. yeah. Yeah, man, that's why I love y'all, man, because y'all definitely are always dropping the gems and I look up to y'all. You know, if there's a black positive man that is, 
you know, they got the gyms and they willing to help me. I'm always willing to listen, you know, and be a, be, be a student, you know, and just, you know, do the best I can to get better, you know, because I trust mm-hmm. y'all. Yeah, I mean, and I think um, you know, that's the other thing, man. Being able to, I mean, like Rod said, like music being therapeutic, um, I think that um, being able to have that conversation, because to me, um, Nas's lyrics, Jay-Z's lyrics, uh, Royce the Five Now, who we talked about today, uh, Earl Sweatshirt, all those people we talked about today, and they was doing therapy, man. You know, they was talking about it, and um, and they were just talking about it to a large audience. And I think that's something that uh, we don't do enough of as, as black men. We talked about that last um, on our podcast with the uh, mental health. It's like, look, man, you know, we don't talk nearly enough. That's part of that that whole thing. We're like, oh, we got to grind. We ain't got time to, to get caught up in our, you know, what we feeling. Or, or we ain't got time to stop. We got to keep it moving. It, 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 it didn't hurt us. It didn't mess with us, you know, and when it really did. And so, you know, seeing guys like, you know, um, Royce the Five Nine, man, being able to have those those real conversations over over wax, you know, I think that that's something that that makes it it gives us the nod. It gives other men the okay to be like, yeah, man, you know, talk about that. You got if you got a kid that may have some uh, special needs, or if you you have some issues with your, you know, with your dad, you know. Talk about that stuff, man. Don't don't leave it up in there because you talking about it. Like I said, I, 2016, I was listening to that, and I, you know, and it and it, I related to it because it made me think about my own kids. Like you know, let them wait. You know, let everything else wait. Right? Can I can I say something to that quad too, just real quick? Mm-hmm. Um, as we challenge, I hate to use the word challenge, but as we advise men whose fathers are still around, that they still may bear issues with and have an interest in having these real honest conversations with them. You don't have to expect that everything is going to instantly change because all things happen within time. And we all, you know, we're all on a short schedule, but um, what's valuable is that that man that's sitting across the table from you that you never really had that connection with or, had some truth that you wanted to tell them they're going to hear you. Yeah. You know, and it takes time, you know, and, and Lord's will things could change. My father was, um, you know, before my father was a different man in 2017 than he was in 1997 mm. life had humbled him. Mm. And, you know, I was very upfront about the fact that me and you ain't alike for a long time. Um, but I knew that I knew that he loved me. I knew that he struggled though in expressing it the way that I wanted him to. And so give it a chance because there are many men who was born in generations before us that purely looked at or who were taught themselves either directly or through their trauma that developing that authentic emotional connection through word and indeed was a symbol of weakness Mm. for a lot of reasons, historical and otherwise. So I would just tell brothers as they make an attempt, if they feel compelled to make an attempt to develop a relationship with their father or a new relationship with their father or share with their father, 
something that they have been afraid. Let's be keep, keep it a buck, afraid to share. The world don't change in a day. Yeah. And be encouraged because that father, that man is going to respect you for being honest about where you stand. And that's all I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think of that. There's that meme that that went around on Facebook and uh, it kind of said, you know, it, it gave a picture and a number and it said, you know, what kind of father did you grow up with? Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. So it was a it was a black man with a with a Bible, you know. I think it was a guy in a military outfit. Um, I think one of the one of the screens had had a question mark or there was nothing there, right? Um, James Evans was one of them. James Evans was one of them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember seeing that and just seeing the comments, and you know, everybody wanted to be able to name or classify, you know, their own father. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, does it, do, where, where, do, where does that process start? Right. Like first we got to call it out. First we got to name it. Um, right. what kind of dad, you know, what kind of dad did I have? Or, you know, or what kind of dad didn't I have? Um, just to even just start that process of, of, of being able to confront, um, those, those things. So, you know, sometimes those things, those memes are like a joke. But I, I really do think there's some there's there's some healing that even just just starts right there. Um, yeah. I want to I want to uh, uh, just kind of call out that that black man track that we worked on, Quan, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, when we talk about connecting the dots, um, shout out Mr. Stewart or Quincy Stewart, who was already doing work with In Demand. Yeah. Um, and Mr. Stewart is a is a, a well-known music teacher, got a lot of got a lot of stake in the game as far as teaching um, music. Um, he's a jazz musician himself. And then when we talk about the hip hop generation, you know, he's got all he's got sons and, you know, sons who who I, I grew, grew into music with who I consider, you know, my crew and my team. Um, Miles Stewart or Mike Phelps and, and Malcolm Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it was, it was, it was, it was, it just made all the sense in the world to, you know, Max sent me a track. And then I'm like, wait, like, you know, did you know your dad works with In Demand, mm-hmm. you know, which is a group that is encouraging black men to, to be present in schools? Like, we need to, we need to connect those dots. Yeah. Um, and just just be on the same page because we're all doing the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. Max Ma- Malcolm is 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 he's like a Malcolm, right? He's he he's he that name that Mr. Stewart gave his son, his youngest son. You know, Malcolm has that Malcolm little Malcolm mm-hmm. X spirit, and so you know, Mr. Stewart is a, a, an amazing jazz musician who puts you know all his artistry and his jazz, but Max is a, is a rapper. He's like a rapper's rapper. And so it's like, you know, he's got, you know, he opens up that song. Talked to my pops the other day. I ain't know exactly what to say. I ain't perfect. Can you perfect either? Pour some drinks and tell me what's to play. Um, And so it's that fire, you know, that, that Max comes with that, you know, he get, he get from his, 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 his mom and dad, you know? Um, And so I just think that they're, they're, we brought up Nas, and, and uh, Mr. Jones, uh, his father, but that just that deep connection with like 
the baby boomers generation, their outlet was like jazz um, and, 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 and whatever they was into. But like this generation is, is just really just, it's the same. It's the same, but just with different tools. Um, and so to me, black man, that song, that video was able to really like capture mm-hmm. that, all of that, all yeah. of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant piece, brilliant piece of work. Yeah. And you know, and the, and, and that's the thing, like with that, you talk about fatherhood, um, being involved in the, na- in the neighborhood, volunteer, mentor, and then educators. You know, talking about that with Calvin before he got off that, you know, you being the type of educator you are has a lot to do with, you know, maybe the relationship you have with your father, you know, and the things you yearn for, you provided for, you know, your students and things like that. But, you know, I say it's all connected, man, fatherhood. Um, an educator, being a mentor, you know, all, it's, it's all connected. And, um, you know, I think that um, seeing, I mean, just being able to see um, like my, my student, my first group of students, they, like one of my students got a kid older than, older than mine, my former mm-hmm. students. So, you know, to see, mm-hmm. my son will be 13 in August. His son, like, like just turned 13, but, uh, but, but to see them, they, they, and they're more, they're having kids They you know, they putting up, I mean, and they're loving it, man. Like they putting up pictures, um, you know, their husbands, their fathers, um, they, I said, they putting up pictures, they embracing, they loving it. And I'm like, man, this is cool because, you know, this was when Rod said that we were able to, you know, how we saw Nas grow up, you know, we, we're seeing, like this youth culture, hip hop grow up, man. You know, yeah. um, and the kids, and, and, and I think it's a, a good impact on young people as well. Uh, I think about like I haven't listened to the album, but Offset. Um, I don't know was this his last album or what, but he had an album called Father of Four, mm-hmm. and I think his lead song off of that was five. It was called Father of Four, but that mm-hmm. picture is just him sitting, you know, with all his kids, man. Like he he he's sitting on the throne. And they, you know, they dressed up as 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 little princesses and 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 princes and stuff like that. And he's like, "Can you know?" And I like, "Yo, that's 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 cool, man." Like, it's it's like, "Yo, you know, your your legacy, your lineage, you know, it's not enough just to have them. You know, you gotta um, you gotta take care of them." And you told your seeds, you know, you gotta cultivate uh, a seed for it to grow. And um, and going by with the, you know, at the at the top of that. Um, the podcast when I read that read that um, excerpt from that study, you know, it shows that it's you know it's really playing out in the culture. You know, we talk about life imitates culture, culture imitates life. We see that it's playing out in both areas where, like, black men, like that myth about you know black men not being involved, you know, is 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 breaking down, and we're seeing it in the culture as well. The 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 representation of the culture the artistic representation of the culture that even in the things they're talking about, you know, they're involved. And so, you know, definitely uh, it's good to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think about, you know, just the sacrifices, you know, uh, when we go up that family tree that, that people before us made their father's fathers, their, their father's mothers, you know what I mean? Like um, we are in the position we're in, you know, like not by <laughs> not by luck or happenstance, like 
you know, I think this was all very carefully <laughs> designed. Yeah. 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 Uh, we just come from, yeah, I, I think we, we, we come from, from great fruit. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. So, yo, we are at that. Um, we at, it's what? 755. Um, just, if you guys have any final thoughts, um, just go ahead and share those and we can call it a night, fellas. The thing about, I had a conversation today with uh, somebody uh, for another podcast and we talked about teaching as being a series of decisions. Mm. Teaching is, is, you know, this whole, this whole adage about teaching being thousands and thousands of decisions over the course of a day. And those decisions turn into decisions over time. Being a father is the same thing. Indeed. It's connected. Um, and I commend um, fathers in general who find for me it's it's right now it's just trying to find that balance between seeking your truth, finding your truth, and trying to build while making certain that you're continuing to build your children yeah. and setting an example for them as parents in the hopes that they will look upon you in their memories as time goes forward with the level of reverence and that they were prepared to be parents themselves. But shouts out to all of the educators, mentors, coaches that are fathers at the same time. Yeah. Because we have all, and, and I get the sense that we all had fathers who were somewhere present in our lives amongst the three of us. But if it wasn't for Uncle Joe, if it wasn't for Mr. Rhymes, if it wasn't for Uncle Charles, if it wasn't for Mr. Nassif, if it wasn't for Dr. Sims, if it wasn't for people who filled in those blanks, we wouldn't have the balance that we have. So yeah. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, and like I said, with that being said, you know, one of the reasons why in demand exists if you know if you are a man a black man and you're looking to be involved as a teacher mentor volunteer you know uh go to imindemand.com do your research fill out our survey we'll be able to connect you with those um opportunities to to get involved even if you are a father a new father uh, you've been a father for a while. You're looking for uh, support and resources. We even got um, <clears throat> opportunities uh, to connect you with resources for fatherhood as well. So to help you along your fatherhood journey. So check us out at IamInDemand.com. And with that, we out. <laughs> Peace. Sunrise, sun,